0: Before we even kick off the podcast, I just want to remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. Would you win more games if you had a reliable kicker or a punter who could flip the field? The answer is virtual kicking. Coach Cullen has over 15 years of experience coaching specialists and special teams. Virtual kicking is designed to be the kicking coach to schools across the country. He takes the guesswork out of coaching your specialists from first-time kickers or to specialists trying to play in college with pre-built easy to follow plans, specialists and coaches alike follow the scripts for both in season and off season. Coaches love the efficient and professional instruction their players receive every week through the coaching app. Simply upload video and receive individual coaching with next steps for each week of the season. Schools are already seeing the benefits. Visit virtualkicking.com to schedule a free Zoom call or text Kicking Coach to 202 599 5077. That's Kicking Coach to 202 599 5077. Don't wait until the fourth quarter. VirtualKicking.com. Hi, I'm Coach Tony Schiffman, and welcome to the Hog Football Podcast, where we talk all things football and all things offensive line. Today, I've got Coach Bobby Johnson with me. Coach Johnson is currently the offensive line coach at the University of New England, uh, and he's got stops along the way at uh, RPI, Willamette, Curry College, Plymouth State, uh, AIC and D2 level, and University of Albany at the FCS level. Uh, He's originally from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and he is on the podcast today, Coach Johnson. What's going on? How are you?
1: I'm great, brother. Thanks for having me on here. Just for watching sure. draft right now.
0: <laughs> what was that?
1: It's just watching some big guys get drafted today. It's pretty great.
0: Oh, I love it. Yeah, as, as so obviously this is uh, this won't air today, but this is we're watching the NFL draft. It's been like it feels like today and yesterday we're like O line central, like all every offensive lineman got drafted, and it was awesome.
1: No, no doubt. It's been, it's pretty, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that the kid from whitewater got picked up last night. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, 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 such a cool story.
0: It is. And, and it's, and it's, you know, not to get on a tangent. I mean, you and I know this, <laughs> but I mean, if you can play, you can play. I mean, that's the thing. It doesn't matter where you go. If you can play and, and show that you can compete at the highest level, they're going to find you and, and they're going to, they're going to give you that opportunity. 100%.
1: Yeah.
0: So real quick, let's get going. Um, Talk to me a little bit, obviously you've been coaching for, for quite a while. Talk to me a bit about how uh, the offensive line has played an important role in, in the the more successful teams you've had.
1: Um, you know, the I've had a couple really, really good seasons and the, the huge theme um, in all those teams was a dominant offensive line, you know, and, and, and both times, both times that we had really, really successful seasons, it was a mixture of freshmen and seniors, you know, mm-hmm. Being able to recruit some kids that are ready to play right away and have those seniors that are able to you know fill in the gaps maybe with some football IQ stuff, some you know conceptual stuff. But no, I mean the having a physical physically dominant offensive line and an offensive line that you know doesn't make a, a lot of mental mistakes. Um I mean, you know, we both coach D3 net right now. It's like the teams there's most teams are even talent wise, talented wise, you know, right in the skill positions and whatnot. But that team has a really dominant offensive line, especially when, you know you get to the White Waters, the Mayhard and Baylor's, that type of thing. Those guys up front, they're they're creatures and they're dominant. So, right. I think it's just the the more physically dominating you can have uh, of a of a of a young man with the ability to be cerebral and actually you know know what all five guys are doing. That's that's been the the, the places I've had the most success. That's what the offensive line was like. Right.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I think there's. I mean, you're gonna get your like you said, you're going to get those creatures, but, but there's also going to be, you know, the five foot 10 guys and the, the guys who are a little bit undersized and the guys who maybe are a little bit too heavy. So, I mean, you're going to get all, all that mix and match, but you're right. I think the, the really good teams have that good, good mixture of, of talent level and, and size wise and, and everything you need just to kind of make that, that special run.
1: No doubt. I mean, like the in 2018, we went to the Elite Eight at RPI, and the left guard was a uh, right screen. right guard was a freshman, and he's probably 5'11 on a good day. And right. he's still one of the, he's, he's one of the, you know, he didn't miss a play in his entire freshman season. He was a road grader. So, yeah, size is size is so overhyped, I think, especially at our level.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, it's, it's great, but there's not, to, and not to be, I don't want to be too negative, uh, but there's a reason that if they're, if they have the size and they're coming to us, there's a reason, you know, and, and whether it's a, you know, a a defect in their game or grades or something along those lines, there's, there's a reason that they they dropped onto us and, and, you know, we have to, we have to figure out how to make them the best player they can be. So that that's, that's on us as coaches. And, and, you know, most of us are up for that, up for that task.
1: No, hundred percent. Yeah. There's, there's a reason that if they're, if you a, <laughs> my coach, is like if you can walk into bubble gum, you're six, five, you're going to FBS. Right. My high school coach. <laughs> and it's like, all right. Yeah. So exactly. We get guys are our level. Some guys, you know, all the ability in the world, but you know, they, they couldn't qualify or, you know, right. exactly. You have those guys with D one hips, but they're ten. <laughs> so So right. exactly, no, I completely agree.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the first questions. So I'm, 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 you know, obviously this, this podcast is sort of kind of career based and and it kind of, you know, I look through everyone's bio and everything Uh, you've got. So I'm looking through your, your coaching stops and everything is East coast except for that one little Willamette that jumps out, which is for coaches that don't know in, in Oregon, how did that come about? And, and, you know, what, what, how was that experience going? Cause you're, I mean, you're, you know you're from Boston you're an East Coast guy kind of through and through how did that West Coast experience go for you
1: I was awesome um so you know th- we have that big New England elite camp every year mm-hmm. and, um the guys at Willamette so it's Willamette I, Will so, yeah, I, I, it, you know, I always get it I always get it wrong yeah. yeah I said I said it wrong the entire interview process and then after they <laughs> hired, after they hired me they were like first thing you have to start saying the like, school right I was like okay sorry um, but no, I just, I had met the head coach in the DC at that camp, um, like in 2016, mm-hmm. I know, uh, 2014. And you know, I just kept in touch with them. And I always wanted to try to get out of the region and see what else was out there. So, you know, something opened up like right after the season, I took a chance on like a $5,000, you know, like housing job. Sure. And then like, two months later, it was, you know, things fell into place where I got to be full time. And I loved it out there. Only reason I moved home to be quite honest with you is is just uh, you know my girlfriend at the time, she was a little homesick and that was that was you know happy wife, happy life at the oh, time. Yeah. So that was why. But I loved it out there. I love the Pacific Northwest. I think it's I think the Pacific Northwest is a hidden hidden gem. Um, you know, it's a lot like Maine. So I'm happy I'd be kind of happy to be on the coast of Maine now too. But yeah, no, it just it was just working that camp, the new England elite camp. And meeting those guys
0: and just keeping in touch with them for a while. And then something opened up finally. Right. That's awesome. I mean, that's, I, I think it's important. I mean, you know, you've coached for a while. I think it's important for young coaches to to branch out and to experience those things and, and take those chances and, and, and opportunities because, if, A, you never know when they're going to come along. And, B, it makes you appreciate, what you have or what, you know, what's back at home a little bit more, because you've seen what's out there. You've gone to, you know, you've seen what's out on that, on that other side. And, and, and again, you know, you, like you just said, you really enjoyed it and you loved your time there, but it just wasn't meant to be. And you had better opportunities back home, which is, is great, which is fantastic. But I think there's too many, you know, not to get on the tangent, there's, there's just too many coaches who kind of, get stuck in that mold a little bit and, and, and are, are a little bit gun shy or scared to take that chance and take that leap to to see what else is out there and experience the the different side of football.
1: Now, one of my former players, uh, he's a Mass State trooper now, but he got into coaching right away. Um, and then he went to Pomona uh, for a couple of years and he, he loved it. And, but he came, you know, he, he's a, he's a Boston, you know, a, a Southie Boston kid. And he was like, you know, Southern California wasn't for me right <laughs> in the long run. And he kept coaching a couple more years. And like I so said, now he's a state trooper, but I'm with you. I mean, to have the opportunity to go out there um, and experience, you know, a whole different type of ball. I mean, the Northwest Conference is still, I think, one of the best conferences in the country. We were, we were, we were a very high academic, under talented compared to other guys in our league. So it made me a way better coach you know, we were always doing different things every week, trying to figure out how to block those creatures at uh, Pacific or, right. you know, Linfield at the DN, that was just an absolute monster. So it was, it was a really, really good thing for me um, professionally and personally.
0: Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about the new England elite camp and, and I, we, we were there. I'm not sure. Um, I don't think we crossed paths when I, I was out there in 2019 um, for with Lake forest. Uh, but, it's such a such a unique camp such a unique opportunity talk to me a little bit again now we, we kind of touched base on the on the west coast talk to me a little bit about east coast football because it is i think a very especially for you know you look at the league you guys are in and you look at the teams out there and and, and some of the places you've been it, it's a very underrated football um region I I, I think a, a, talk to me a little bit about how how it is there and 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 kind of sidebar question talk to me a little bit about you know the recruiting process you guys go through not you don't have to give away your, your secrets coach but um, talk to me just a little bit how, how you guys are able to to really recruit uh, to the east Coast and and get some of those guys who may be out of the region to uh, to come come to your school
1: yeah I mean for me you know, the New England elite, you know, it's always been an interesting thing. And when, I was, when I was on the West coast, it was, you know, at Willamette, we had a, we had an academic niche. So mm-hmm. it was nice. You know, some of those kids wanted to come from the East coast out to, uh, out to Oregon. Um, being back home, you know, it's been being d D3. The biggest thing, especially because our league, there's a lot of parody in our league, um, but it's, there's so many schools. So I think it's make. I think if you can be a Division three recruiter or Division two recruiter in New England, you can recruit anywhere. Because right. I mean, there's there's no place. I don't think there's any other place in the country where there's more Division three football within like a 400 mile radius besides New England and New York. And the biggest thing is just really selling the benefits of your program, finding kids that meet your needs. Like University of New England is, if you want any type of you know strength conditioning or health sciences or business, that you have to you have to consider. Coming to a place like this, um, you know, there's other schools. Hey, if you're engineering, like RPI, one of the best engineering schools in the world, you had kids from all over the country um, knocking down the door to come. Right. So, I mean, you know, I think I think at Division three, especially in the Northeast, it's it's really finding what you're good at as an academic, you know, academic side, um, and then like we have really, really, really good facilities here, so that's an easy kind of cherry on top. But you know, just trying trying to find what makes you different. Um, then, then your competition and just, you know, grinding. I mean, it's, it's old school, but grinding your phone and, I mean, Twitter, we both, I know you're, you're huge on Twitter. I'm pretty big on Twitter, but I think the kids that are appreciated more are the ones that, you know, you give them a phone call, you give them a text message, you give them a handwritten letter. Those are the kids that I think are trending back towards that way. Yeah. Those are the kids that I want. I mean, there's nothing wrong with kids getting their stuff out on Twitter, but at the end of the day, if my only communication mode is with a, is with a Twitter DM, I'm not going to, I'm going to be leery at some point. You know, I want to get sure. on the phone with and I want to be able to talk to them, meet them in person. So, yeah. And then I, I, I well, the sidebar question, I am, I think the New England football is definitely underrated. Um, you know, and then, I mean, it's always been under recruited, especially at the higher level. And you, you've seen over the last five or six years, a lot of NFL, a lot of FBS recruits starting to come out New England re- region. And I think the football is getting better in our area. Um, you know, with all everything going on with COVID and everything, there are schools that are closing down. So some of the watered down effect, I think, will end up going away. Right. But I think the biggest thing for this area is there's so many schools and there is talent, but it just gets spread out you know through a lot, a lot of <laughs> a lot, a lot of schools, a lot of different leagues. Right. I mean, ECFC have the CCC. You have the Act. I mean, you get to you have the, you have the NSAC. Then you go to New York. You have the Empire Eight. You have the Liberty League. You know, in New Jersey, you got, you know, you got the NJAC. So there's there's so many leagues in this small little 600-mile area where I think a lot of times the talent kind of gets spread out a little, maybe too thin compared to, you know, in the West Coast, you have 12 or 14 uh, D3 programs. And then some parts, you know, in Texas, you have, what, 8 D3 programs. And, and you're at one of the most football-rich areas in the country. Right. You know? <laughs> so I think I think it's where a lot of the um
0: sometimes the under the undervalue of the northeast is comes from right yeah absolutely I I think it's you know again kind of going back to what we talked about if you can play they'll find you and and it's unfortunate that sometimes coaches kind of disregard certain areas because it's just not it's not up to them you know and that's unfortunately that's kind of school by schools are different and and coaching staffs are different. And, you know, I think it's every offensive line coach would, would love to just be able to recruit offensive linemen (laughs) across the nation and, and not have to worry about location or region or anything like that. And just say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get 10 over linemen every year. I don't care where they're from, but I'm going to bust my tail to get those 10 guys. And I think, I think if offensive line coaches could do that, we'd be, you know, we're already pretty happy as, as coaches, but we'd be even, We'd be even happier as coaches for that. No, no doubt, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, you know, real quick, last question before we kind of wrap things up. Talk to me about that. You mentioned it a little bit with that elite eight run in in two thousand eighteen. Talk to me about that run. You know how uh, there's nothing better. Obviously, there there's nothing better than being able to kind of coach deep into November and 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 into December. Talk to me about the kind of the. Not just the, with the offensive line, because you already touched on that, but just the cohesion of the entire team that season and and, and how much fun you guys had and just the experience you, you went through.
1: No, no doubt. So there's two guys I work the the current guy I work for, Mike Licton, he's unbelievable um culture builder, you know, not just not just the you know the raw rah stuff, the actually stuff that you know we use every day. And then I would say Ralph Isernia, the head coach RPI. Um, I've never met anybody like him that's been so into the mental game and in developing culture within, you know, within a team, the team within a team type of thing. Mm-hmm. And we were, we, were just, we were really, 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 really blessed to have an unbelievable junior and senior class of leaders. Like I'm, I've never been around so, so, so many true leaders on a team um and then just the cohesion like every day it was a battle in practice like mm-hmm. you know like during it was just nasty like it was fun like we had an unbelievable d-line an unbelievable offensive line and i mean people will say it all the time it's cliche but no when you have a team that practices you know balls to the wall all the time and they do it the right way i mean we were it, we practiced like an nfl team you know we were tagging off we're, we're full speed you know thud type of stuff so it, it was the way we practiced it was our leadership and it was just a just a great group of human beings a great group of kids um our coaching staff was uh, a, a pretty well oiled machine um you know we had a really really good thing going on offense and our defense was unbelievable that year our defense i think was in top 20 in every single category yeah um and we had a we we upset Brockport. i think they were number 2 no number 4 in the country um we went up there in like a snow sleet rain mess and we had practiced outside all week, except for Thursday. And I guess they had practiced inside all week. And one of our guys on the team found that out. And it was just like a little extra hype on Saturday morning before we're going out there on the field and just one of those things. But it was the coolest win I've ever been a, uh, a part of. Right. They were, they were averaging like nine, uh, negative nine 20 yards a game rushing. I think we ended up having like 110 rushing yards. Our defense played lights out and our special teams that year were unbelievable we led the liberty league and blocked blocked the uh, punts and we had a uh, our punt returner that was unbelievable so it was just, it was just the perfect storm of you know right. special defense offense and we, we just ran to a buzzsaw uh, at hopkins with a they had a quarterback who no reason playing division three football <laughs> uh, besides he's going to john johns hopkins <laughs> for whatever reason uh, you know academically and they had a running back that was unbelievable so you know it was an unbelievable run I it's favorite season of my life so far um you know now I'm in a place or the academics uh, you know it's a different engineering but now I'm in a place where we can hopefully attract those same type of kids here I mean UNE is only been, it's only four years old they we won our first conference game ever when they played um so we're, things are going in the right direction here sure. but yeah that yeah. that that eight run was was something I'll never forget
0: yeah. And that's, I mean, that's awesome. You know, kind of, as you, as you said, it's, I love that you said it's the, it's the, the most fun you've had so far, because we're always looking for that next season to kind of, to Trump the one, the one that is the most memorable, you know what I mean? And, and that's, again, that's why we do it. That's why we coach. I think the minute, the minute we, the minute we stop enjoying it and stop seeking out that thrill, it's, it's, why are we doing it? So uh, I think that's great. Um, Last question, coach, and and then we'll get you out of here. Um, if you could build a a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen from from guys you've coached, guys you played with, or guys you are just a fan of, who would be on that five man offensive line?
1: Oh, all right. So, number one would be the left tackle from that 2018 uh, RPI team, kid Chris New. Um, we tried to get him, we got him into a pro day at Northwestern and it was just too late. We we got the process to started too late for him. Right. That kid was unbelievable. He was an AP all American. Um, he was AFCA all American. That kid could block the blind side of any day for me. Um, I put my best friend one of my best friends, he's the head coach at Worcester State, Adam Peliquin. He was a he was a kid who was like 280 pounds and then that dropped down to 220 pounds and he ended up being like the most technique flawless uh guard i've ever seen in my life just because he's so underweight we used right. to play chris Alt pistol where we'd flip quick side strong side so we just played quick guard every every day um i'd have to go with uh lincoln candy was my guy growing up for the for the raiders oh award. good yeah.
0: name drop there i like that's the that's the first that's the first mention of him i've ever had on the podcast so that's i like that I
1: wore 72 in high school because of him. That was my guy. I, I grew up as a little kid. Like I was too big to play football. I just I just just keep playing soccer until high school, but like I was 10, 10, 11 years old. Like that dude's just mean and nasty. Yeah. So Lincoln Kenny is my guy. Um, the last two spots pretty tough. I don't even know. I'd have to go with um logan mankins and yeah logan mankins so i mean like i said everybody really busts my chops because i'm a diehard cowboys fan from from outside boston sure. but i love logan mankins the way he played the game and then uh honestly i gotta kiss a little butt to the cowboys tyron smith is just like <laughs> he he's a guy that i use a lot of teach tape with trying you know try to show my guys and obviously yeah. you like like hey man i'm not expecting you guys to do this exactly like him he's the, the most athletic freak in the nfl but just how his angles are and some of the technique he does use that like sure. my, my five amount rushmore right there
0: I awesome i like it i i that's a that's a good one a good mixture of uh of of everything so that's re- that's really good that's that's honestly that's one of the best ones i've had because it's a good you were quick with the names and a couple different different ideas and and so that's a that's a really good one coach well um before we go, do me a favor. Drop your Twitter handle um, and any other information you want the listeners to know, um, and then I will let you uh, get back to watching the NFL draft.
1: All right, my Twitter handle, guys. It's really, really easy. I got lucky. I, I think I started Twitter in whenever whatever came out, but it's just Coach Johnson, J O H N S O N O L. You can't, you
0: can't mess it up. Um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on and talking with me. Um, best of luck to you guys uh, in the fall. And looking forward to talking O-line with you down the road. Yes, you too, Coach. Awesome. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you like and subscribe, and you can find previous episodes on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast platform.